You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 222, Amber Cullum and the Journey to Grace. You are going to love this one, my friends. Welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm so excited for this conversation. Uh, you're going to really love it. If you haven't had a chance yet, and maybe you haven't, um, to help out the show, you could do that. But I hope that you enjoy the show enough that uh, you would love to love to support us in some way. You could do that. You could leave a review on Apple. I always love to see those, hear from you guys. Uh, you can shoot me a message at HalfwayTherePodcast.com or you can just go to Patreon um, and send us a few bucks every month. We, that really, really helps those of you who do that. We appreciate that. kind of keeps the show running. There's a lot of costs that people don't know about in podcasting, so we appreciate you helping out if you can. Uh, okay, so we have a great conversation today. Our guest has become one of my favorite podcasters. I love what she's about. She's got a really great mission and and goal. And I could just tell there's more to her story that I'd love to hear. And so uh, we're going to hear that today. So our, our guest is the host of the Grace Enough podcast. She's a mom um, and she has a lot of interesting things to say. So our guest is Amber Cullum. Amber, welcome to Halfway There. Thanks, Eric. That was so kind. I want you to introduce me every time. <laughs> well, that's good. I try. Uh, but I mean every word. And so I, I really do love what you're doing with your show. And in some ways, I think of your show as a bit of a counterpart to my show, right? Like you're, I agree. Yeah. You're, you're having conversations and uh, um, I, don't, I don't know. How, how, do you, so you agree. So you think that's true? Well, yeah. I mean, because I think there's a different personality that gets brought from any podcast yeah. host, but for some reason, I think we're kind of kindred spirits. And then just being a male and a female right. um, who have walked some similar things in their faith walk, that kind of makes it feel like a counterpart a little bit. Um, so yeah, I agree. I like it. Okay. So friends right there, you're in the podcast app, go get grace enough. Like just go download and listen. I think you'll like it if you like this show. Um, but Amber, I want to hear a lot more about your story. So I gave kind of that broad overview. We know you're a podcaster. We know you're a mom. Um, but tell us a little more about kind of where God has you right now. Well, <laughs> you're also a new puppy owner. <laughs> I know this may not seem that exciting to anyone else, but I have three kids, uh, 10, eight and four, and two of them are partially homeschooled, which it's so funny now. I feel like everybody's like, oh, my yeah. kids are at home with me. I mean, my kids were at home um, before. My four-year-old, of course, is still at home, but I I did think I was going to send them to preschool this year. And so COVID did kind of mess that up a little bit. Um I mean, they're still having it, but anyways, that's a side note. Yeah. This week, yeah, we brought home a puppy, which I always said it drove me crazy when dog people would say, it's like having a baby. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, you, you, I don't think you've ever had a baby. Well, it is a little bit like having a baby, Eric. <laughs> okay. I'll give you that. A little <laughs> Except bit. Except that I can right now, as we're speaking, put him in his crate downstairs and close the door and not feel guilty that he's barking. And I could not do that with my screaming infant. <laughs> so. Therein lies the rub. You can't cage your kids. That's, I mean, That's right. And, and all of the um, pet people are out there going, <gasps> we can't believe you just said that. So anyways, that is that is a side note. I am um, podcasting which is not a paid job, of course, but it is a full-time job. Yeah. I am learning more and more. Um, and so I just have the kids at home, married to Sam. And currently we are leading Emotionally Healthy Spirituality with mm. a group at our church. And so that's on Zoom, which is just so interesting. I know as ministry is just shifting more and more to online I think there are some pros to it, but for me, the social aspect of just being with people and getting to give that hug or just randomly seeing someone just feeds my soul. And so it's been a, it's been a challenging thing for us. So that probably just gets us started. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know. I definitely miss church. We we were in church. We just hired a new pastor, and so we we went to church wow. on Sunday. Uh, can you imagine starting a, a job? No. Like I pray for him all the time because that would be, I'd be it's tough enough, but then starting that in the middle of this, and uh, it was so it was so amazing just to be in service, right? You know, we're all wearing our masks and we're socially distanced, but just to be in a church service felt so weird, right? Because <laughs> we haven't done it for a while. Yes. And I mean, so my brother-in-law, he started as a principal for his first time ever this year. Wow! And I'm like, between starting as a pastor at a new church or the top administrative position, I'm like, whew, go you. Lots of prayers. Right. No kidding. It would be tough. Okay. So uh, you're where you're, you're in North Carolina now. We are, we're in Raleigh, North Carolina, but you great didn't, time of year. Yeah. You didn't grow up there though. I didn't. Um, I could tell you a little bit about that. I grew up in the mountains of Eastern Kentucky, which is interesting because it is Appalachia. And so there's a lot of stereotypes that go along with that. And some of those are very true. And just like every stereotype, some of those are <laughs> very far from the truth. Right. Um, and so I grew up there and went to the University of Kentucky, which is in Lexington, which is central Kentucky. So once I moved to central Kentucky, I never went back home. I stayed there for about 10 years, met my husband there, um, and then left my old Kentucky home for Tampa, Florida. And so that's where Sam's family lived. And I was just so devastated to move because number one, I didn't want to move to Florida. Um, And number two, I just never, I mean, I'd lived away from my family, but I have a really hard time with change. And so that transition just really broke me in a lot of good ways. Um, But it didn't feel good at the time. And Sam's family lives in that area. And so that was an incredible gift because all three of our babies were born there and they were around cousins. And it was almost like we had our third born. And um, Sam's company asked him if he wanted to start an office in North Carolina. And so Levi was six months old and we were moving to North Carolina. Oh yeah, we we moved crazy. with a six month old too. That's when we, when we moved out to Denver. Our, our middle yeah, it's not son. stressful yeah. at all. No, it's <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. So I get that. What was it like growing up in uh you know in Kentucky? Did you guys have a have a religious background or was it what was your family like? Yeah, I mean, so Kentucky is so much. At least where I grew up, it's such a small town, and religion is just almost like part of the culture. Um, I shouldn't say religion. I should say Christianity, because when I grew up, it was just this, you know, people just went to church on Sunday. And I'm not saying there wasn't any um, true faith or people of faith and true followers of Jesus, because there certainly were. And I went to a church where I felt safe and I felt loved by a lot of older men and women of the faith who had been walking with Jesus most of their lives. And, you know, the candy man at church that (laughs) was the same guy every week who had, you know, pulled out the Tootsie Rolls and the the bubble gum out of his pocket to give you. And so it was just super sweet in that way. Um, But I also, I didn't grow up where we were, my family always went to church. When we were younger, we went to church and then I don't know what happened, but for Mm. years we didn't. And I still don't know really what happened. Um, And so around sixth grade, I started going back to a different church with my cousins who were my neighbors. I was very fortunate to grow up in a neighborhood where my dad's, two of my dad's brothers were my neighbors. So all my cousins were right there and um, I would go to church with them. You know, I was kind of the creaster person. We went on Christmas and Easter and, um, just started going more consistently with them. And then slowly my parents started coming as well. Mm. But it was, it. I mean, it's interesting to grow up in a place where faith is just, like I said, part of the culture, but it's not necessarily something that has transformed everyone's lives. Yeah. Cause that can be confusing, right? If you think that, okay, we're all Christians, but we're not maybe all acting exactly. like Christ. Like that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, I mean, in a way, it kind of insulates you until you get out into the big world. And then Uh you're going, 
whoa, what's all this stuff? Or, oh, that person went to church all their life, but they have never accepted the gospel. Yeah. Like that was just so revolutionary to me. Yeah. Where did it become personal for you? When when did you have an encounter with Jesus? Yeah. So I was 12 years old when I, you know, was saved and baptized. And I do remember, of course, at that time, it was like through a play where they basically just scared the hell out of me. I mean, quite <laughs> literally, right? Uh, yep. <laughs> but I will say, even though I felt that way, there was still this recognition inside of me that I knew I could, I knew there was something in me that wasn't right. Like I wanted to be right with God. So I remember at that time, it wasn't just a feeling. Um, It was definitely something in my heart, like this constant longing. And so I was saved and I can remember times going back, you know, taking my Bible with me to school and reading my Bible during school. Um, And I also remember as I went through a rebellious phase in my high school years and early college, still when things would go really, really bad, I had this one CD that was a Christian CD, Cademan's Call. Do you know Cademan's Call? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So awesome. I mean, their very first CD. And I would put it in my CD player and I would listen to it and I would just like pray to God, like, I don't want to keep behaving this way. I don't want to keep making these decisions that I just knew. It wasn't necessarily a guilt or a shame thing because nobody else was saying it. It was a conviction. And so, but I was wild and I was crazy. And to be honest with you, I kind of liked it until something went wrong. (laughs) And then um, my sophomore year of college, I went through a horrible breakup from, you know, a childhood relationship that honestly, I'm like, please, Lord, don't let my kids date people long term (laughs) in high school. Right. Sorry to all the people who married their high school sweethearts. Oh, my goodness. My our oldest is. (laughs) 18, almost 19 in February. And I'm like, we got married at 20. No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. This is not a good idea. So I hear you. <laughs> it's so crazy how you can feel that way. But I mean, we were also just straight up living in sin, right? Like uh-huh. there is, I'm not saying it can't work out, but that led me to a place where I ended up going to Fellowship of Christian Athletes at the University of Kentucky And again, that longing was still there. I mean, it was the same longing, like pulling me in that I had felt on and off for years and years. And so it was through a conversation. um, Actually, they were talking on the spiritual, well, just becoming fishers of men, that something inside of me just broke. And I was like, I'm not, I don't want to do this. I'm not doing this anymore. And I'm not saying I never made mistakes again. I mean, I did. I still do. Um, It's definitely been a journey. But from that point forward, I found myself just, I'm going to learn God's word. I'm going to start going to Bible study. God was so gracious to me to provide Christian friends through college ministry and college roommates and just all of the things. And so honestly, I look and often and just praise God for college ministry. I mean, it changed Mm. my life. Wow. Changed my life. That's amazing. Yeah. So it sounds like that was really a moment of surrender for you. It was. It was completely. And from that point forward, um, you know, little things like if you think back to when you were in your 20s and even now, I mean, if you're a new believer, you still have these old ways in you and you're always, we're always fighting the flesh. And so when I hear people say things like, oh, as soon as you become a believer, you're a new creature. And, you know, all things old have gone, all new has come. I believe that. That is absolutely true. But we are doing ourselves a disservice to think that you're not going to struggle against flesh and blood again, because we are, we do still have flesh in us. And so as I've learned over time, we're completely a new creature, creature, you know, spiritually, But when you fight against that flesh and blood, you still have to keep surrendering it to him. And so I learned that over time, like, don't feel guilt and shame over that. Notice the conviction, repent of it, and just move forward. Oh, man, that's powerful right there. Yeah, because I think it, I think so many times we get a little bit hung up on on behavior, right? And so, you know, which, which is important. I'm not saying it's not, but 
Jesus never defined his friends by how they behave, right? In fact, he most often fought against that uh, mindset. So, um, yeah, because we're we are still loved, and there's a whole process of sanctification. So it sounds like you had to. We all do, right? We all have to go kind of, kind of through that, and we're all in that. That's why the show is called Halfway There, right? We're we're not we're That's not right. all the way. I I think even in eternity we will still learn and grow in Christ. That's mm. that forever. You can't exhaust the knowledge of an infinite God. Mm. Um, That's good. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah, you, you sounds like you had to wrestle with some of that. What, uh, you know, were there people in your life? Were there like, yeah. you know, moments that you can look back and go where you had other moments of surrender? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I vividly remember, and I love to call, you know, moments like this, the Joshua stones. Right. And I I've, had done a Bible study back in college where, they would encourage you to write down just these faith moments so that we call on the faithfulness of God when we're struggling the most, you know, and that I don't have that exact passage, but where, you know, God says, you know, Joshua cross the Jordan river and you need to pick up a stone for every tribe of Israel and then make an altar to remember that I have led you across into the promised land. And I do that now in my life and I have things that I can look back on from that moment in college until now where when I'm struggling the most, you know, I say things like, do you remember that night at FCA when that man spoke and your heart was changed? Do you remember that first Bible study that you sat in and it was Breaking Free, I think, by Beth Moore, but I was with a group of about 12 girls and for the first time in my life, there were people who were like helping me along in studying God's word, not just reading it, um, but beginning to unpack the layers of it. Um, I think about a job transition that I had when I switched from one job to another and how the way that God provided that, I mean, I know it was him because I wasn't qualified for the position but I was in such a desperate situation will, wanting to get out of my current job that I just would cry out to him constantly. And you know, when you're in that desperate place and you're asking other people, it's like when we're desperate, we're willing to look and say, I need you to pray for this because if I don't get out of this, I feel like I'm going to just die. Yeah. Um, and so that is another Joshua Stone. Um, the way that God provided my husband, I remember... I didn't get, I mean, I got married when I was 28. When I was 28, it felt like I was 98 getting married. Now that I look back and say I was 28, I'm like, oh, you're just, you were just a baby. But yeah. at the time, you know, all your friends are getting married and you're like, I haven't even met someone. But I remember praying at one point, you know what, Lord, I'd rather be single than to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't want to live their life surrendered to you. And that was a tough prayer because I was young and I kept every year kept thinking, okay, maybe I'll just be single. And then when Sam came along, it was like, how is he not already married? You know, I mean, it was just, it was just so crazy the way that it happened. <laughs> well, tell us that story. Like, give, give us that. Tell us that story. I mean, it's not, it's not going to, I feel like it's not going to be crazy to anybody else, but I just, you know, he was, well, we got, he was 27 when we got married. I was 28. Um, and we only dated for about a year and a half. And so at that point, literally, I had gone through so many roommates, right? Because <laughs> this is what happened. If anybody young is listening, you know, you have a room, you have all these roommates in college. One gets married, then another one gets married, then another one gets married. And then it was to the point where all of my friends had either gotten married or moved, to the point where I was like living with one of my guy friends from college, which that's a whole nother people are like, oh, you're living with a boy. I'm like, listen, it's because I can't afford an apartment by myself. Yeah. So that's the other option. Right. But Sam comes into my life through a friend who looked at the two of us. She was dating his roommate and said, we think you need to meet this person because you're both notorious for not giving people a chance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And so once we met, you know, it took a little while. It wasn't like it was love at first sight or anything. But now we can both say we're so we're we're really old souls, I feel like. And he and I both had this mentality of 
we enjoyed our lives. So we didn't want to just date to be dating anybody. Yeah. So, you know, I would go out on a date in my 20s and it was like, oh, eh, I'm not into that. And I'm done. And he was the same way. <laughs> and that's very rare. I feel like a lot of people will just date and date and date. And so once we started dating, it was just, it was just very obvious um, that he wasn't just a Christian, but he was a thinker. And so that drew me to him um, mm. because I feel like I'm that way. And so, yeah, maybe not that interesting to other people, but definitely a Joshua Stone for me because yeah. it was an answer to my prayer. Um, and then, I mean, I could keep going. My mother-in-law is a Joshua Stone. Like she's just a gift in my life in so many ways. Uh, she was just on my show a couple of weeks ago, walked through you would probably love to talk to her, Eric, because she walked <laughs> through a 10-year journey, uh, you know, a dark night of the soul for 10 wow. years. And we're not talking about she would have and does call Jesus like her literal best friend, like the intimacy they had was wow. just, you know, unparalleled. And so, yeah, lots and lots of God moments along the way for sure. Yeah, well, that's what we're all about. So I love, I love sharing that. And I think, I think it is a matter of trusting God's provision, right? I mean, that that prayer that you prayed for, you know, spouse is like, how many of us can say that, right? Like, I mean, it's, you weren't a people pleaser, right? Like, you know, a lot of people are just like, well, look, I will just whatever in order to just be with somebody and not be alone, and to to take that you know, that at the time when you're in your twenties feels like a risk, right. And to uh -huh. go like, oh, yes, I, I would rather, that's really wisdom, right? Like I would rather have oh. be alone, right. Than, than to be with somebody who doesn't love the Lord yeah. uh, and doesn't kind of match me in certain ways. That is super, super powerful. I mean, I think that's a, that's yeah, a great well, And I remember during those single years when you know, one friend would get married and you'd be like, okay, I got to find another single friend to hang out with. <laughs> and, and thankfully, I mean, that sounds desperate. Um, and sometimes it felt desperate, but, um, you know, thankfully during that time I was serving as, um, a youth small group leader. So I had the same group of girls for four years and, you know, I was doing ministry things. I was involved in special needs ministry at my church and some different things. And that was is such a gift. And, I, I want people who are single to know there is so, there is such value in your singleness because you have time that you will never have when you are married and, or if you become a parent and those things are gifts too, but the time that you have to pour into people and to love them well and to walk with them and show them Jesus you do not have that same time when you are married and when you have children. And so I'm not, I know that sounds so cliche. Oh, it's a gift. Enjoy your singleness. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is pray for God to use you during this time. And then when he puts something in your path, go after it yeah. because he will reward that. Um, it, it may not, you may not see the reward or the blessing until you're way far down the line, because I see it now. I see the gift that singleness was to me now that I did not see then. And when I would get super lonely, I would write a letter to my future husband. And that can sound, again, so cheesy, <laughs> but it would be things like, this is what I'm doing right now. And I find myself waiting for you because I hope we get to serve in this capacity someday. And it was something that just helped me refocus on what um, what I was waiting for and that God was still very much present in my life during that time. So I still have all those letters. And one day I can't, you know, my daughter will probably be super into reading them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Did you ever share my kid, them? My sons will probably be like, mm, yes, I gave them all to Sam. And honestly, he's such a... You, I mean, he's just not going to be overly emotionally involved in that. Like, oh, thank you. You know, I mean, that's about all you get. <laughs> and you're like, oh, and it okay. took me a lot of years to not be offended by that. And now I'm like, you know what? That's exactly why I fell in love with him, though. Oh, you know, wow. I'm the roller coaster and he's the steady. And I need desperately the steady. Wow. Yeah, that's good. Okay. I love that. That's that's so great. And I appreciate you sharing kind of the journey in, in singleness because I think you're right. 
you know, I was telling you about my, my cousin earlier and he is same thing. Like he didn't get married into his thirties. Right. Or yeah. 35, I think. So like it's, it was, a, it was a long time and he and I walked through that journey. Right. I got married at 20. So total opposite. And he was like, well, you're, you know, I'm thinking, look, it's, it's, there's always greener on the other side. Right? <laughs> exactly like just right. trust me. And that, that's not to defame singleness or marriage. Exactly it's right. Just the reality. Uh, it's just a, exactly. I love my wife, and and we've been Absolutely. through a lot of things. Um, but it's just they have different challenges, and they and that's that's the thing to really to really go go to and just accept the challenges that you're facing, whether it's singleness or marriage, and and embrace it. I, that's what I hear you saying. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So that's really good. I see. This is what I love about people's stories. I didn't know that was coming up. I didn't know that that was like a, <laughs> what we were going to talk about today, but it's, but it's important and God, God loves it. And we need to talk about it. Um, okay. So did you, I know that you had a season where your kind of whole world shifted a little bit with, um, and kind of your, your faith. Right. And I don't know, do you, I want to hear that story. I want to hear kind of how that, how that happened. If that was a, was that a dark night of the soul for you or was like, like what happened there? Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like Eric, honestly, that's happened more than once. Um, well, tell me the, I'll, tell me, tell me I'll those tell stories. The first one. Yeah. So I wish I could remember exactly what year it is. See, when I talked to Neil, um, I had the exact date even, but anyway, <laughs> right. I know I, had gone to India. I was single at this point still. I'd gone to India on a mission trip for just two weeks. It was a medical mission trip. And it wasn't the first mission trip I'd ever been on. Um, It was a little bit of a different dynamic. But when I came back, I was so different than the other mission trip I had come back from, from Haiti. And, you know, just that feeling of, I'm just so grateful that we have paved roads here. You know, I'm so grateful that I can just go out and eat whatever food I want and not have to worry about getting sick. I came back from India and I was so angry. I was so angry that there was this depth of darkness in the world, um, poverty, and I don't know, I still don't know exactly what caused that to happen. Um, I don't know if it was some of the things I saw um, or not, but I remember this. I remember we were sitting in a debriefing session with the team and everybody's going around the room talking about, you know, some things they'd reflected on upon coming back and talking about how wonderful it was. And I remember my heart just pounding and being like, I don't want them to get to me because I don't feel like I can admit to any of these people that right now I don't want to open the Bible. I don't even know what I believe anymore. And I'm not sure this is true. And so it got around to me and I just laid my head down on the table and I started weeping. And this was not a group of people I can say I knew super well. And to be honest with you, there were a couple of people in the group that I didn't feel super safe with. Mm. And so I knew at that moment that I was just going to put it all out there because (laughs) safe or not, half the time I do. And um, so I shared pretty much what I just shared with you. And I mean, you know, it's just the deer in headlights and that was okay. I didn't I knew before I spoke that nobody was going to know what to say to me. And that was okay. But there was just this brokenness in me that happened. And so that night after I left, the leader of that mission trip, thankfully, had been someone who had experienced something similar. And Mm. he pointed me to a few different books. And I was, you know, open to reading those. And one of them was The Case for Faith by Lee Strobel. And the other one was classic Christianity. Oh, I can't remember who wrote that book. But it was in the case for faith. And so I wrestled through this for months, Um, not like a whole year or anything like that, but just months of being like, you know, God, I do believe this about you. But some of those simple questions, but why does X, Y, and Z happen in the world? If you were a God of love, why 
are all these things happening in the world? If you are all-knowing and sovereign and able to stop things right now, why don't you? Yeah. Um, why don't you save everyone? And so, you know, it's really easy when you're not the one going through it to be like, oh, I'll never doubt um, or to cast blame. And then if you're the one that walks through it, wow, are you like, this is something, this is literally like a person that I have given my life to and I love. And so to then begin to question them was just really challenging for me. And so it was in the case for faith. I read, um, I, I won't remember everything about it, but it was basically Billy Graham's partner, Charles Templeton at the time. This was before crusades and everything. They were good friends in college. It was kind of like Charles Templeton was the one who had the ideas for the crusades. And I don't remember exactly what happened, but he encountered a magazine cover and it was during one of the African famines, I think. And it was, you know, a child laying on the ground. I'm pretty sure they were either just sick and near death or dead. And he walked away from his faith. Obviously it's a much more complicated story than that. But yeah. Lee Strobel had gone all these years later to interview this man. And so we know the story is Templeton didn't partner with Billy Graham. Billy Graham goes on and yeah. we, we know that story. Uh, yeah. Um, and so Lee Strobel is interviewing him and asking him a lot of questions and he's just given, you know, real straight answers, but he becomes super teary and he said, but I do miss the person of Jesus. And he just wept for a little bit and then real quickly turned, you know, changed the subject and like turned his back and moved on to something else. Mm -hmm. And there's more to that story. Um, but as I continued reading that chapter, I remember, you know, Billy Graham saying, there came a point where I had to choose between, you know, faith or basically having all the answers. And that was where I was because, you know, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what we do not see. And that does not mean, for example, you know, you see these signs right now that's like, I believe science is real. Well, I believe science is real. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm a physical therapist. I studied science for years upon years. I 100% believe science is real. I also believe that there's this God that's bigger than any scientist will ever figure out. Right. And that he is able to make it all work together because his ways are higher than mine and his thoughts are higher than mine. And that is not just something that I blindly ascribe to. That is something that I truly believe because no matter how many scientists we've had, they still don't have it all figured out. And so that it was that moment where I was like, okay, God, even if I don't know all the answers, I'm going to put my faith in you and I'm going to put my trust in you because I've always, you've always been faithful to me. You've not made my life easy, um, but that's not what you promised. <laughs> right. And, and so I also was like, I would so miss the person of Jesus. Like I would miss fellowship with Jesus. I can't imagine not following him now that I know him. Um, and so that's really when faith changed for me. I will say it's when, you know, I began to look a little more into apologetics and the importance of that and, you know, understanding a little bit more of why I believe what I believe. But there was this part of me that started to understand the free will of man that is just not describable for our brains to fully understand. And so, yes, God does allow things to happen. And no, he does not make us surrender to him. And he can still be all loving and all knowing and want us to be with him forever. And so, you know, that was the very first time that I really, really, really began to question um, my faith as a whole. Now, yeah. how it's changed since then is... <laughs> Right. Probably a whole nother episode, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. So that's a whole different story, right? It's That's, that's right. It is. 
um, which which I do kind of want to hear a little bit a little sure. bit of that. But uh, so, yeah, it sounds like you're. I mean, that's a, what you went through is a pretty classic Dark Knight of the Soul, right? Like I mean, that's that's like asking those questions, like God, where are you? What what is a why do you allow this? You know, and then and then having to come to a place of accepting that he is who he is anyway, right? Yeah. 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 Love yeah. that. Um, okay, so where did you go from there? Like, what uh, what was next? Oh my goodness, from there. That, I mean, I still feel like it's so long ago, right? But um, when we moved to Tampa, I mean, I got married in between there. Moved to Tampa, had three babies, struggled a lot with um, postpartum depression. Just a lot of history of. Uh, I can't say that I grew up in a family where we practice, you know, gratitude. Uh, in general, I think I'm a kind of a class half empty person. You know, I'm always battling against that. Yeah. Glass half empty. Um, and so I would say, you know, one of the next big things in my faith journey was really learning how to be grateful and learning to stop wanting more than what I have. And that was a big faith changer for me because I feel like we talk about gratitude all the time and, you know, oh, it's coming up to November. We need to make <laughs> sure we say all of our thankfuls. And absolutely, because it's really hard to notice on your journey how different you are as a result of daily gratitude until someone tells you. I, you know, I see a huge change in you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've been blessed to have my husband say like, yeah, even though you can spin, you know, out of control and be like all down in the dumps pretty quickly, you rebound from that so much quicker. And a lot of that is because you finally learned how to be grateful. And so that was another big yeah. point, I feel like, in our faith journey. But as far as in recently... You know, I began to understand, oh, Eric, where do I even go with this? Um, that to that, that faith is, there's so many layers to following Jesus and to understanding him and to scripture and to people's journeys and how I don't even, I don't even know a blip on the screen of what God is doing in the world. Amen. Right. I love yeah. that. That's one of the reasons I love doing the show. Right. I get to hear yes. so many stories, you know, the, when people ask me what my favorite episode is of this show, I mean, yeah, there's, a, I love every single one, but sometimes I'll say the one with John Swinger, right. Cause he was like a bank robber and he yeah. met Jesus doing an eight ball of cocaine and reading the new Testament. Like, okay, I guess God can do everything, do anything. Yes. Right. Like, Oh, I wouldn't have expected that. Right. I mean, yes. And then you take, so it's like God can be working in situational stuff. And then you take that and you say, it's outside of the American culture. Uh, right. <laughs> and once I began to really think about the way that God, he is not just working in the way that your little life is set up. And my little life. I, I don't know why I'm saying your. Yeah, Once I started yeah. realizing God is not just working in um, <laughs> the Bible belt of America in my sweet little suburban safe neighborhood where all the houses are in a row with their nice shrubbery cut a certain way. <laughs> no, he's working in the ghetto and he's working in the slums of India and he's working in the brothels in Thailand and he's working in the really happy places all over the world. I mean, and, you know, you just get that. I, I started getting this different appreciation for listening to people and what? letting them tell me their story. Okay. But how, like, where, where did that come from? <sighs> where did it come from? I know I'm like, I'm, I'm struggling so much to even answer that yeah. question. Cause I don't know when the shift when, when was the first time you noticed it? I was invited to be a part of a racial reconciliation group three years ago, maybe four years ago now. 
And up until that point, I had just thought that the whole race stuff was, you know, me being, oh, you're just blaming white people for all the problems. This is your problem. And um, it was through If Gathering that I heard Latasha Morrison speak, and um, it just changed me. I mean, I just all of a sudden was like, this is, I, I understand privilege. I understand advantage is probably a better word, white advantage now, and I haven't. Like, my eyes were completely closed. And all of a sudden they were open. So I sat in this group for a year, equal number of white women, equal number of black women. And we did a lot of listening. We did a lot of processing. We paired up with one another and would have like a breakfast or whatever you chose once a month. Um, and that was the first time that my faith, my eyes and how God is working in people different from me really, really mm. shifted. Because I realized if you listen, if you actually sit across from somebody who's not like you, and I'm not, this is not just um, black people. This is, I mean, I don't, anybody, um, the robber, the the yeah. prisoner, the, um, you know, whatever, the prostitute. And you listen, you may have a different perspective on the way God's working in their life. And that, yeah, that is, that's exactly when my eyes were first open and I started becoming a lot more gentle toward people who were different from me. Yeah. It's amazing what happens when you start to listen, right? And you start mm -hmm. to go, oh, there, my experience is not everyone's experience. I think we have that sort of bias and that's, there's probably a social science word for that, but, um, mm -hmm. We kind of Bias think that, good. yeah, well, I, well, I think, yeah, I think we, we all have like a, we all have our own kind of, we assume that our experience is everybody's experience, but it's not. Right. And so when we start to start to listen, something happens and we can, we can hear what God's doing, um, yeah. which, which is good. It sounds like you, you had that experience. Did that, um, you know, it sounds like it changed your idea of, of race relations in the United States for sure. Completely. How, how else did that change you, uh, in the sense of like, like spiritually, how else did that change what you, where you were with God? Well, so, you know, I'm sitting around this table and it was like every single person here says, Jesus is my savior. Yeah. And we have some different views. And it made me start talking to God and being like, I, so an example I often refer back to is, was in Mere Christianity where C.S. Lewis is like, you know, we, from the beginning of time to the end of time, we're like this, you know, little blip on the timeline, right? And we can only see our part on the timeline. Right. Like we only see right now. But God is above all of it. And all of it is right now. Yeah. And I mean, when I read that, I was like, <laughs> you know, like my mind was just blown because it was like, oh my gosh, what if a thousand years ago and a thousand years from now is right now to him? All of it. Right. Because we don't know. And so when I think about that in regard to my spiritual, the way that I was changed from sitting around with people who at that time looked different than me. It made me start realizing like, you know what, God, so many people love you and they're in a different place on their journey with you. And I need to realize that I'm on a different place than my, in my journey with, than everyone else too. And so how can I love them and love you and appreciate the fact that you're working in their lives as you're working in my life, even though that can look very different. And so if I take it to a different scenario, you know, we're in a political season right now. Yeah. My saving grace has been when people say, I, I just can't believe, you know, that a Christian would vote this way or vote that way. And I'm like, you know, 
I've sat in a room with people and I've looked around and I've said, you know, they're my friend and mm. they're my friend and they're my friend and they can feel like my enemy. But this is one thing we have in common. Every single one of these people have told me that they love Jesus. Yeah. And so that means Democrats, that means Republicans, that means independents. Do I really need to engage in hate towards them? Because they say they love Jesus. Just because they have a different be- or a different idea um, than I do doesn't mean their idea is always wrong. Yeah. And so I don't know that, that exactly answers your question. I have a hard time sometimes articulating what is in my brain as it relates to it. But I just know that I'm able to interact with people in a way that I wasn't before. And... I'm able to look at people who are being incredibly, you know, judgmental, particularly with race and um, different political affiliations and say, you know, they follow Jesus. So just think about that. (laughs) Yeah, well, (laughs) exactly. So what I hear you saying is it changes the way that you see people right so yeah. th- this for me was one of the big things too when i when i had to go oh the kingdom of god and the united states are not the same thing amen and, amen and i mean and once, this is not a theocracy it's not it's not no actually it's a well, we worship the people right <laughs> the people are the are the are the rulers essentially so um and that but that then just changes everything Right. Cause then it no. doesn't, then when you, when people are on your side, if I can use that with Jesus, right. Then it doesn't matter where they are in the United States political system because they're, they're with you in Christ. And I think this is, yeah. this is Paul's point. There is no, neither slave nor free, Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, you know, like that, that's what he means. But how quickly we do get caught up in being like your other. Yeah. You are an other because you do not, agree with me. And wow, I just feel like the enemy just dances around everywhere going, yes, I have accomplished exactly what I want to accomplish. And I am not even putting down politics. I think as an American, we should vote. Yeah. Um, But I think that if you actually believe for one second that either one of those parties or people are going to save you, you, you're wrong. Right. They're not. Right. They're going to fail you just like every other human being. And that's just part of life because you fail people too. So you got to vote according to what you, who best aligns with what you think is Christ-like and realize that that's nobody but choose. <laughs> wow. Exactly. That's, that's good. Did that lead to you starting your podcast? Like, why did you start Grace Enough? Um, I did. It did help. Yes. Because as I began to listen more and more, I began to see that if we would just listen, it's basically exactly what you said earlier, that raising the awareness of the way God is working in the lives of people changes us. It gives us, you know, we can have more empathy, um, more compassion, we can see that God uses good, bad, ugly circumstances to draw people unto himself. Um, we can see the heart behind why maybe somebody chose to start, you know, their nonprofit or their business coaching. Or there's just so many things that as you begin to listen, you, yeah, I mean, you just see this value. And I, I want more and more people to know more and more different stories. And that's been a blessing behind Grace Enough because I've had people say that, like, oh, I didn't know that about human trafficking. And now I do. Um, I didn't know that about, um, you know, street outreach. And now I do. So, yes, it did. And it continues to do so as I continue to have my eyes opened to more things that I'm like, whoa, really? Okay, God, you know, you're, you're bigger than me. Praise the Lord. So yes. Yeah. What, what were you trying to do with, with the show? Like, is that, was that what you wanted to do is get, share more stories? 
Yeah. Um, really, the show is, I want people to know that God can use any story to impact his kingdom. And I don't say that in a generic sense. Like, I, I don't believe everyone is saved. Sorry, I, I think that some people get upset with that when I say that. <laughs> I don't believe that. I do believe that you have to um, surrender your life to Jesus because we are not perfect. And I do believe that we need a perfect Savior for that. But I do want people to know that wherever somebody is on their journey, God can still use that to draw people unto himself. Yeah. And so that is why I say in the show, like, his grace is enough to cover all of it. Yes, it does require surrender and trust, but his grace is enough to cover that. It's enough to get rid of the shame. Shame may come back up again, but again, his grace just continues to pour out when we um, give our lives to him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's kind of a beautiful thing. It's amazing how God really meets is. us where we are. He uh, He has that weird knack, right? And you read it all over scripture. Yeah. Abraham's out, you know, in his tent and the Lord shows up, right? Or... <laughs> Whatever it is, there there are yeah. these there are these uh, sometimes they're miraculous and sometimes they're just you know the donkey. I mean, the, let's donkey, talk about yeah, Balaam the right? donkey. The donkey or the I was thinking of Elijah. You know, the still small voice that he's oh my God, that he's yeah. listening to, or the way God speaks to him. I, I always I just love when he's depressed. He's killed all the prophets, right? But then he feels alone and he he runs away and he's in this depression after victory. And, uh, and he complains to God and God answers every single one of his complaints, right? Cause he's also so intimate. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, yes, I agree. He can do that. Okay. So, so you share those kinds of stories on, yeah. on grace enough. I love that. Uh, well, it's a great show. And, uh, I think friends, you guys should definitely check out grace enough, go and, uh, find it. You're in the app. Just go and go and look at it already. Um, your website is graceenoughpodcast.com so people can find you there. Is there anything you want to leave us with, Amber? No, I mean, I hope you'll listen. And when you listen, it is always nice if somebody just comments, whether it's on social media or anywhere, because, you know, we are podcasters and sometimes we can get lonely. So we like to know people are, are listening so to true. the stories we're sharing. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Definitely do that, guys. I would love to hear a story from you. If you have uh, if you have a story that resonated, one Amber stories resonate with you, yeah, let us know. We'd love to hear that. Uh, and check out graceenoughpodcast.com. Uh, as always, friends, everything, show notes, all of the many. You're a reader, so I knew we are going to have lots of books today. So all the books and everything that we mentioned are linked over there, halfway there, podcast.com. Amber, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Eric.